Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock with the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with a really good friend, Dr. Angela Logamassini. She is a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, where she specializes in environmental risk, regulation, and consumer freedom. Angela's work appears in Forbes, the the Huffington Post, the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, and she's appeared on CNN, CNBC, C-SPAN, Fox Business, and dozens of other TV and radio shows. Prior to joining CEI, Angela served as a legislative assistant to U.S. Senator Sam Brownback of Kansas and was also environmental director for the Research Institute of America. Angela is also a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. So today we're going to be talking about the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is often called IARC. It is a U.S. taxpayer-funded international agency that sadly puts out very dodgy and even totally inaccurate scientific reports. This, in effect, scares consumers and leads to costly regulation, product bans, and even now jury decisions that ultimately harm consumers. In a new report authored by Angela, CEI details how this influential but very secretive research group funded by world governments, including the U.S., that means your tax dollars, and housed within the World Health Organization is failing in its mission to give policymakers and consumers information about chemicals that pose a cancer risk. So, Angela, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on your show, Julie. So, okay, first, I think this is really in the weeds. I think there's a lot of people who will be listening to this who have no idea what IARC does, that they even exist. So if you can just give a quick, brief summary of the mission of this agency uh, when it comes to determining if a chemical or an activity is dangerous, because that's sort of why they exist, correct? Yes. They want to um, classify chemicals as to their potential to cause cancer. And the idea is that they're supposed to help policymakers and other people make good decisions. Problem is, is they don't actually do any real risk assessment. Instead, they do a halfway process. Usually you... You assess whether a chemical has a hazard, then you look at its dose, at what you know, point would it actually cause a problem, and then is there enough exposure in society to see if there's a problem, and then you draw a conclusion. They just stop at the hazard. So if I was looking at water and I said, is it hazardous, I'd have to say yes, because if you drink too much, it can slow your brain. If it's frozen, you can slip on it and hit your head. But the question is, how do we use water? You know, we drink just enough and we're careful, um, you know, when we're walking on ice. You know, we know how to manage the risk. But if you just uh, stop at the hazard, people do not know how to manage the risk. Okay, this is really, that's a really good example. And I think that it's really important to, and you've sort of done that, explain the difference between hazard and risk. Almost everything poses a hazard. I mean, you can, you can look at anything. I mean, a pencil, I could stab myself with that pencil, but it's unlikely I will. And so the risk is low, but there is a hazard there. Now, you, you mentioned that um, when, you, when you mentioned that this agency is, is you know, informing agencies, I mean, when we talk about that, I want to put it in sort of a consumer, uh, from a consumer standpoint, this is agencies that oversee, for instance, how things are manufactured, correct? Yes, like the Environmental Protection Agency, 
Um, California, they list anything that is put on IARC as dangerous under Proposition 65, right. and then they have to label products. Um, and, you know, a lot of agencies in, in, around the world, like France, is looking at banning a chemical that IARC listed as a, a, pros- a possible or probable, actually, probable carcinogen. And it's a very inert, in a lot of ways, one of the more safe products on the market. It's, it's the active ingredient in Roundup, which is a weed killer. Farmers need Roundup to produce food. They don't have to till the soil. That means less environmental problems from runoff. It's actually a really great product. And it's even been able, uh, they've even been able to develop corn that is Roundup resistant. So you can spray around your corn and not kill your, accidentally kill your corn plants and, you know, use the Roundup. It's an excellent product. And environmentalists, have been attacking it because it's a Monsanto product, which is a perfect symbol for them. They like to attack Monsanto. They hate GMOs, and it's GMO corn. And they hate anything that big industry makes, which is chemical products. So they've been pushing this for a long time, trying to demonize it, and they actually managed to get an environmental activist on one of these IR committees that operates behind closed doors to push out this classification that runs a contrary to every other um, governmental study on this or review that says it's safe and really, really low on the toxicity level, especially the way we use it. Um, so there's just not enough exposure. But IR can do this because they only do hazard and they cherry pick their studies, you know, without any sort of scientific firm guideline. Right. So it's a real problem. What you mentioned, too, is that IARC's hazard-based approach, it results in these insane classifications. So in the report, Angela actually writes, like, it actually places plutonium and smoking. Okay, we know that if you are are exposed to plutonium, you're going to die, and if you smoke, you're you're likely going to get some sort of cancer. Um, these are these are definitely carcinogenic. We know that, right? Uh, but it put, but IARC because it's hazard based. Meaning, again, think about water. Think about that pencil. Um, it puts plutonium and smoking in the same carcinogenic category as salty fish and processed meat. So your bologna or your you know tuna fish is likely to cause you can't. According to IARC, it's as likely as if you touched plutonium or you smoked all your life. It's insane. And again, when you we we talk about glyphosate. Again, the active ingredient in Roundup, which is incredibly useful for farmers, it is not carcinogenic, but because, I guess, if you drank it or if you, I mean, what are they basing that on? That if you, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of a hazard from, from, uh, from glyphosate. I, I really, I don't under, in the, in the way, that, that's, that's the point, I guess, though, the way that it's applied. And I want to be clear here, glyphosate, if, you know, oftentimes in these scary images, you see these big, monstrous uh, sort of clouds um, being sprayed from a plane over a field of corn. Actually, it's a, a really a soda can uh, filled of of uh, Roundup to uh, for an entire sort of football field of corn. Um, so what you're seeing that spray is mostly water. So anyway, I, I know I'm sort of rambling on yeah. here, but what are they basing that carcinogenic rating on? Entirely hazard, like if you swallow it or if you drink it. Yeah, I mean it's very low in toxicity, especially compared to a lot of other products on the market. Yeah, and again the exposure is too low. And right. there have been studies of farm workers who use this, you know, for their career, their life, or whatever. Um, the agricultural farm worker studies 
health studies, and they don't find any risk. So the human studies, which are the best studies, the most relevant, they're not finding any problems. Right. In fact, even tests on mice don't find any problems. There were a handful of tests, or a few rats, I mean, really a handful of tests, had, it was a question, a question mark. Now, rats are bred to, to actually have cancer, and they use these rats that are very susceptible, and they are susceptible even in general. And then yeah. they dose some large amounts, and then maybe some rats form tumors, but maybe they would form tumors anyway because it's a high dose of something. Right. Um, but it was actually very few, and most governments, including um, the Food and Agricultural Organization, which is also a UN agency, they said those studies don't prove anything. They don't really show anything. The overwhelming body of evidence suggests there's not a problem. But what IARC did is they took those studies and they kind of, you know, exaggerated them. And in fact, um, you know, Montana was subject of litigation, so they got some of the old drafts, I guess, from for their litigation on discovery of the original I, of the IARC decision that was in process. And a reporter took them and found that they had been doctoring these reports at the last minute to make those studies seem worse or more dangerous yeah. than they were, changing right. the language around. So there's a bit of a scandal here. So now you have an environmental activist. You have this sort of behind-the-scenes doctoring of reports for a chemical that's been used safely for 60 years with you know an overwhelming body of evidence indicating exposure is just too low to worry about and even higher exposures. I, I don't think it's really... A, enough toxic enough to make much of a difference. You know, again, it's like water. I mean, if you drank a lot of it, it, just like water would make your brain swell. (laughs) Right, That's because it's got a lot of water in it. Well, what are the consequences of this kind of thing? I mean, are we going to see bans? As you mentioned, there was a court case recently um, against Monsanto. A man came down with cancer, and he claims it was his access or exposure um, to to glyphosate. Um, this, you know, again was a jury uh, that that found in his favor. And what concern and and a lot of this flawed science was presented during the case. But this really concerns me for jury cases going forward. We cannot rely, we can't expect that every juror is going to have a scientific background or, and you can't demand that. Um, and these are very complicated issues. And again, when you have, you know, official sounding organizations like IARC and even flawed studies that can look legit, and especially when these activist scientists are willing to testify and using flawed science, um, and again, with the backing of IARC, I mean, this is just a recipe for disaster in terms of both these products and these companies being willing to innovate. Um, what do you think we're going to see in the future? Yeah, well, the, the person who had the cancer had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is what they've been saying that this chemical might you know, probably or possibly causes. Um, he had, you know, he, he used it at a school for a few years. It's seems more probable that his cancer had started before then because of its advanced stage. But the, the jury really wasn't, and certainly everybody's sympathetic. The poor gentleman, I mean, he, it's sad. It's a sad story. He's even behind his family. So the jury's worried about that, which is reasonable. Um, and they're not asked to really evaluate the science. They were only asked to consider whether Monsanto could have done a better job informing people of a potential risk. They didn't have to determine it, did the, it caused it or any of that. That's what they were instructed to do, so it was very easy. Right. And you're correct. That, um, that classification was the main reason this jury, this case could go forward. 
Um, and among the people testifying on behalf of the uh, plaintiff were some of these IR committee members, including that one environmental working group activist, uh, I mean, environmental defense fund activist. Uh, so you you see that they had a conflict of interest. They're getting rich. They're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, in yeah. these testimonies and stuff. So this, that adds another layer. Um, and unfortunately, Monsanto's in big trouble now, which uh, because they have a $289 million lawsuit and there are eight, more than 8,000 more lawsuits piling up Yeah, because yeah. the trial lawyers are seeing green and that's really what this is about to a great extent. Um, if the product is removed, they're going to have to find something else. Monsanto, I mean, this is their biggest product um, and right. Bayer just purchased them or just absorbed Monsanto. Now they have this huge liability. I do believe they, they've said in the meet, to the media that they will be fighting this and hopefully they'll get some better rulings and they can push back because more and more things are being taken off the market. You know, this is a, a weed killer. A lot of other pesticides that farmers are trying to use are being pulled off the market for similar junk science, you know, making lots of claims about them that really aren't supported. Um, and farmers are having a harder and harder time they really producing are. food that's affordable. Yeah. For, you know, and that's a very scary position. Yeah. It really is, and look, I I think that um, there's a lot of other uh, sources of misinformation, certainly the organic lobby, things like the non-GMO label, um, really feed this, really feed this fear. Um, the, again, these are really complicated issues, and I appreciate you you coming on to, to discuss them. And I know we haven't even scratched the surface, but I hope consumers um, will be a little skeptical of these claims. Um, there's a lot of really good studies and really good information out there about the usefulness of Roundup. Um, and there's, uh, there's a lot of information out there uh, about um, the safety of these products and other, um, you know, sort of modern agriculture techniques. So... Thanks again, Angela. This is a great report, and I do um, suggest everyone read it. Angela, tell us where the report can be found. They can find it on CEI.org. It's currently on the front page. Great. Um, and we will also post it at IWF.org. Thanks again, Angela. Uh, this has been another edition of IWF's Working for Women podcast. For those who listened, thank you for your time. Please come and learn more and consider making a donation to support our work at IWF.org. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.